I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. In this episode, we are talking all about birth plans, and I'm answering the question, wait, should I make a birth plan? So let's get right into it. Should you make a birth plan? Well, my answer is not as straightforward as you may hope. I know you may be wanting me to tell you exactly what you need to do for a birth plan, and I am going to give you some exact stuff, but for the decision about whether you need to make a formal birth plan where you write down what you want and your wishes, I'm going to say that's really up to you and your individual circumstances. And uh, here's why, because it depends on uh, where you're giving birth, who your provider is, and what your relationship is with your provider and the place that you're giving birth. For example, for the things that are important to me um, uh, for my birth, skin to skin, delayed cord clamping, that stuff is standard where I plan to deliver with this pregnancy and where I've delivered in the past. So taking the time to to write it out, I mean, I certainly could, but it's not necessarily going to help me because these are things that are a standard part of their practice at these labor and deliveries. So sometimes taking a look at some samples of birth plans online can help give you an idea of the different things, the different preferences that people um, share with their providers. Oftentimes the hospital that you or birth center you're going to will have a packet and will include a birth plan with some blank spaces, which you can fill out and provide to your provider and uh, bring with you when you go into birth. Uh, Sometimes birth plans can be helpful if you might not know which doctor is going to be on call. Um, You want to communicate your birth plan when you first arrive to the labor and delivery nurse, because it's oftentimes the labor and delivery nurse who's going to ensure that your birth plan is followed as much as possible, right? When we say plan, really what we're talking about is these are preferences. And and most of us, and we'll talk about this in in a little bit, will say, you know, okay, I want to do skin to skin um, after birth. But obviously, if babies <laughs> need support or is not breathing, by all means, please give baby the support they need, right? So understanding that, that birth plans are, are really about preferences. So these are really logistical things. Most birth plans are going to go over like, what, what are your plans for pain management, you know, what would you like to avoid, you know, if you don't want someone to offer you pain meds, if you want to be the one to ask, these are some preferences that people can have. Um, And so if you want, you can take a look at different samples online, get some ideas, run it by your care provider, you may be reassured. I mean, I can't tell you how many people brought in these beautiful, long birth plans to me as a provider, um, when I was delivering babies, 
or rather helping others uh, birth their babies. And I'd say, yeah, these are these are things that I, I do. These are standard. Um, the only time I deviate from that, you know, they'll say no episiotomy. And it's like 100%. I the last year I was helping people give birth, I think I did two episiotomies the entire year, really only used uh, when necessary. But yeah, I mean, if you talk to your provider, or and uh, they're like, yeah, I do episiotomies all the time, um, making it very clear to your provider and to the nurse who sometimes will run interference, like if you were if you have made your wishes to not have a, a episiotomy, which is a cut that is sometimes made in the vagina to help um, in certain search, uh, circumstances, there, you know, most, most of us now recognize <laughs> the, the data that they're, they're, it's not a good idea to do an episiotomy unless necessary. Um, but some people, you know, have, it's dif- more difficult to change their practices. But anyway, what I'm trying to say here is that sometimes it's your, your nurse who's going to run interference. So if you have a doc who performs like routine episiotomies, and even though you may have told them, hey, I don't want an episiotomy, they may be monitoring several other people um, in labor at the same time, and they may literally just not remember that you had had that preference. I know that that's not ideal, but I know also know that it happens. And then it's oftentimes the nurse who will jump in and be like, whoa, you're, I see that you are grabbing scissors. Remember, this patient doesn't want, doesn't want an episiotomy. So anyway, all I'm saying is, yes, uh, a a list of your birth preferences, uh, depending on where you're delivering, what their practices are, what your relationship is with your provider. Certainly, if you are you have a relationship that is not as trusting as you would like with your provider, writing some of those things down and communicating to your nurse can be helpful. But what I'm going to talk about in terms of birth planning is actually uh, much I think much more important, um, a much deeper level of planning for your birth than just the logistics, not to minimize the importance of the logistics, but um, sometimes birth plans can, yes, they will list preferences and things that we would like to happen, but they may not, um, sometimes they can backfire and end up not helping us have the birth experience we want. And let me explain. What I want for you is when you are, you know, daydreaming about that birth that you want, I want you to get to the why, okay? I want you to get to the why. For example, I want to do skin to skin. The surface level might be like, I've been told that skin to skin is really important and I want that to happen. But the underlying reason... Uh, maybe things like, I want my baby to be healthy. I really care about breastfeeding. And I've, I, I have heard that skin to skin is important for breastfeeding. So I, I, want, I want my baby to be healthy, as healthy as possible. I would like to breastfeed. That's important to me. And I want to, if possible, be able to have that bonding experience after birth and have some quiet after birth. So understanding the why of the skin to skin and really the values that that represents, right? You may want to breastfeed because it's a bonding experience. You may want to breastfeed because of some of the health benefits for you and baby. Getting kind of to those core underlying reasons 
when you get down deep enough, what you arrive at is uh, values, what you value. So I value health. I value safety. I value, you know, having a, a calm, <laughs> calm and um, presence in my birth. And so when I get to those underlying values, it's really helpful and it will be helpful for you to understand some of these logistical wants, what is really underneath it are some deeper desires and some deeper values. And keeping in mind what those values are can be really helpful when things have to change. Okay. So when I centered on my value, if baby comes out and needs extra support and I'm not able to hold baby right away, that actually happened with Oliver. Oliver was born at over 10 pounds, came out, was looking a little, his color wasn't quite right. And they tried to perk him up on me, but then they had to take him off and uh, do some stimulation and help him just adjust from inside to outside. And so what can be really difficult in those settings, um, if you haven't gone to the underlying reasons, is feeling like, oh my gosh, already my plan is going on off track. I want to do skin to skin. And now I don't understand what people are telling me. And my baby is not with me. And they've, they've taken him away. And now I'm not getting that thing on my, my birth preference list or my birth plan. And when you can reflect on your values, okay, well, I really value health and my baby's safety. And in this situation, what I'm, I'm being told by my providers that the best thing for baby's health and safety right now is that they're not on me. And so I'm actually while this is a deviation from my preference, I am still honoring my values. And so when you have a birth plan that has underlying values attached to it, it just helps with the mindset where not, you know, having baby separated from you to go to the NICU or to, um, you know, get some extra respiratory support, whatever it is suddenly is not a failure of your birth as going to plan, but is still in alignment with your values. And I'm not saying that you can never question your care providers and that, that people never do, you know, take babies off skin to skin unnecessarily. I'm not saying I don't want you to just uh, accept whatever your doctor providers say. I think that um, at the end of the day, Oftentimes, unless you're a pediatrician or a neonatologist, um, we have to, to have some trust that most of our healthcare providers really just want what's best, especially your pediatricians. Y'all, pediatricians are some special human beings. Obviously, there is, you know, not everybody is perfect, and there are pediatricians that maybe aren't the best, for sure. I've had. <laughs> I've had some encounters with my own kids and pediatricians. I know that, but the vast majority of them are such special, special individuals. So what I'm trying to say here is I think that giving birth and interacting with a hospital and, and interacting with all these personnel and all these different people can be kind of an overwhelming experience. And sometimes 
you, you know, it can be, yes, it can be traumatizing when things go not according to plan. And that's why having, knowing what you want for your birth, not because it's going to look that way, but what it helps you do when you get really clear on what that vision is, what what you are envisioning of your birth, okay? You can write it out on a piece of paper. We have, um, if you're a member of Sterling Parents, we have a workbook that helps you go through your birth plan and think about your values and create that value-based work plan. You can also just, you can do this in a notebook, right? So you can write out or envision what it is you see for your birth and then say, okay, why is this important to me? Get the what out, talk to your partner, talk to a friend, get the what out of you, out of your brain, onto paper or, or spoken verbally, get the what out and then go piece by piece and figure out the why. And the why should come down to really some values. And you can find, again, if you're a member of Sterling Parents, inside our birth plan workbook, there are some values that you can look at. But there's there's lists of values um, online as well. And so you can look through and, and tease out some of those values. And it's just helpful. You can communicate those values to your nurse. For example, one of your values might be, or one of the things that you really desire is, I, I want to feel heard. I don't want things done to me without my consent. I mean, that should, that's like, that should be standard for everybody. But you know, sometimes saying these things out loud really helps, can really help. So saying, you know, I want to feel heard. I want to be an active participant in making the decisions in my birth. Like I don't want to feel like my voice is being ignored. Okay, let's pause here because I want to share a free resource with you. If you are pregnant or trying to conceive, you probably want to make sure you're doing everything right. And of course you do. It's your baby and you care deeply. Problem is, there's so much information and opinion about what you should and shouldn't do, and many find themselves overwhelmed trying to sort through all the information. Information overwhelm is real and adds a lot of unnecessary and unhealthy stress to your pregnancy. Is this sounding familiar to you? I know how important it is to you to get everything right in pregnancy. This is why I created a completely free class to help you reduce stress and optimize your wellness in pregnancy. It's called Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to reserve your free seat and be sure to show up to the live session because I'm sharing my beloved pregnancy sleep guide and we have a chance to enter our raffle. Don't miss this free class. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com. All right, lovelies, let's dive back into the episode. There are ways to even, you know, in the situation, if you've communicated that to your to your nurse and your provider, um, just that extra bit of the the important thing is to me, like, yes. I want a vaginal birth. Why do I want a vaginal birth? Because I, to me, the idea of having a C-section feels like a loss of control. And I feel like then I'm not a part of things. Okay. Underlying that is really wanting to feel like you are, you are present and active participant in what's happening to your body during birth. You want some, what we call body, bodily autonomy. 
Um, and for some people, the desire to not have a C-section may be because they fear they'll have less of that if they have a C-section. Not necessarily true, but um, that you that you have that you're less of a participant of a cesarean birth. That's not necessarily true, but I know that for many people that may be an underlying reason why one of the reasons why they may preferring a vaginal birth. And so getting to that, right? Not just saying I want a vaginal birth, but okay, really at the end of the day, the value that's important to me here is this bodily autonomy and being able to communicate that to your care providers so that even if you, you know, have to have an emergency C-section, you can say, you know, okay, I'm not going to have the vaginal birth that I had, you know, dreamed of and planned for, but I can still have this value of being part of this honored. And you can, you can say to your nurse, you know, if you're able, you can say, Hey, I need an explanation of what's happening here. Hopefully that's provided to you with, without you having to ask, but truthfully in emergency situations, it, sometimes those explanations don't happen and they can happen after the fact in, in, you know, um, and that can be helpful for some people, but having communicated your desire to be kept in the loop to your providers can, can really go a long way. We talked about getting really clear on what you are envisioning, why you are envisioning it, why it's important to you getting down to the root of it. And then the next thing that I've kind of alluded to is communicating your what and your why. I think it's really critical when you're communicating with your providers. And again, you can communicate in the office before you give birth, but I really want you to understand that this is something that also needs to be communicated to your labor and delivery nurse and each new one that you have. If somebody's just given a quick break and your your nurse is going to be right back, you might not have to communicate all of it again. But if you are if they are changing shifts, ideally they will pass on this information to the oncoming nurse. But be your own advocate. And this is why having you know either a doula or a friend, a family member, a partner who is also been part of this conversation about what's important to you can be really helpful because truthfully, sometimes when you're in labor, you are not able to communicate this properly. I know with my birth with Celeste, I was not in a place where I could communicate. And so, so yeah, having, having other people who are aware of not just your preferences, but what's important to you, the values, the things that, that really matter to you about your birth experience. So communicate this to the people when you are in labor. You can tell the people in triage when you're, when you're being checked and they're deciding whether to admit you, but really who's most important is the nurse that you have who's taking care of you. I would even say that oftentimes this person is more important than communicating this to your provider because, again, depending on where you're given birth, sometimes one provider will have four or five or more patients. And so it's really that nurse who's one-on-one with you who's going to remind them at 3 a.m., hey, remember she wanted to wait until the cord stops pulsing before cutting the cord. And then the provider can say, okay, um, I actually want to hand this baby off to the NICU team because they're they're having a little bit of uh, respiratory stuff, you know, and 
the nurse then able, if you're not able to, to say, you know, she did say that um, health of baby comes first, you know, checking in with partner and checking in with, with you if you're able to communicate about that. So that's the important thing about who you communicate it to, that labor and delivery nurse with your providers. And then in terms of what you communicate, certainly communicating the logistics is important, but I do think that communicating the underlying values is is even more important because it allows that person to understand what you want on a deeper level. And they can also talk to you using your values can help them explain, okay, these are your two options at this point. Let's talk, we'll talk about pain medication, for example. Let's say that one of your values, one of the things that you really want for your birth is to be present. That was really important for me with my, my second birth because I felt very unpresent with my first unmedicated birth. And with, with Oliver, I really just, I wanted, I craved being present in that birth. You know, if that's a value you have and you're deciding on different pain control options, your, your nurse, if you've communicated, I want to be present, well, she can say to you, hey, I know that you want to be present. I'm going to suggest we don't do this stronger IV pain medication right now because it is going to make you feel kind of drowsy and it's going to cloud how you feel a little bit, make you feel woozy, and you might not really feel that crisp presence that you want. Perhaps this is a better um, pain management strategy. So communicating the what and the why to your providers, to your labor and delivery nurse is really crucial for involving your providers as part of your team to help you have not just give, you know, give birth to a healthy birth, if at all possible for you and for your baby, but also to make you feel like your birth is in alignment with your values, help you have an empowering birth. And hopefully, even if you have a complicated birth, even if you have some, you know, high risk situation come up, or, you know, emergency delivery, hopefully that ties in your care team to help minimize any trauma for you. It's not always possible to avoid birth trauma. But I do think that having a supportive team that understands your desires and your wishes and your values, it never hurts y'all. It really, really doesn't. So if you are a member of Sterling Parents, this is something that you will, if you're going through our birth collection, I'm going through the birth content, you'll hear this is, you'll hear this message multiple times. And you should go and take a look at that uh, birth plan workbook, because it will really help you do a lot of this, this this work. So I I hope that this episode was really helpful for you. If you are a member of Sterling Parents listening to this podcast episode on the Sterling Parents private podcast, don't go anywhere because I have some bonus content for you. Um, I'm going to to talk about some resources for really preparing for that uh, empowering birth. And uh, if you are not a member of Sterling Parents, no problem, you can uh, check us out at sterlingparents.com. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a beautiful day. Until next time. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you are serious about optimizing the wellness of your pregnancy, then you definitely need to get your hands on my free guide, Self-Care Rituals for Pregnancy. This guide is filled with my favorite stress busters and wellness boosters for pregnancy. And along with the guide, I'm going to send you a short email series with my favorite tips for optimizing your pregnancy wellness. To get your hands on this free guide, head over to the Sterling Life com slash pregnancy self-care. All right, lovelies, until next time.